It's not another Buffalo podcast. The bi-weekly show hosted by three of the most underqualified sports personalities this side of the canal with John. All you people out there who are like, these idiots don't know anything. First of all, you're right. And second of all, Pat. I didn't think that the Vikings would get a W last week being 6-1, and one, which was also Josh Allen's coin flip record from the year 2021. And Rando. We have this trust built on, you know, whatever it is, like Bibles and gold bricks and whatever Brandon Bean's drinking over there. On Buffalo Rumbles. All right, welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with Brando on the line, straight from Detroit, Michigan. Wishing you guys a happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good time. I know I myself am thankful for our Lord and Savior, Joshua Patrick Allen, of course. But <laughs> Brandon was at the game, so we wanted to get him on the line here. And uh, apologies for any audio quality issues that's on me. But Brandon, what was it like at the at the game? I mean, obviously, it was a good time, but. Like, what was it? It seemed like a playoff atmosphere on TV. How did it sound there? Uh, first things first, I know WGR has the West Her Hotline, so this is an unsponsored call-in line. We yep. figure that out. Yeah, yeah. this um, is uh, John's phone plugged into his audio interface. With uh, Brandon sitting in his cold car. So, no, that's funny. <laughs> um, dude, it was electric from the minute I got a parking spot. Like, it was so many Bills fans and Lions fans. And I got to tell you, Lions fans are awesome. They've always kind of been awesome. They were kind of like us for a while when we sucked. And now we're, we're, we don't suck. So we've kind of got, like I said, I've talked about this on the show before about, you know, Bills fans. They kind of, there's a different generation of Bills fans experiencing winning different than the past, you know, different than the 2000s, different than the 90s. So um, this group of Bills fans was awesome. Everybody that I, interacted with except one person i'll get to it i'll get to that <laughs> um, they were all awesome it was their stadium was electric it, like you said the playoff atmosphere was absolutely right this is the best tradition in detroit no matter what happens we will watch the lions lose on thanksgiving excuse me <laughs> and i've watched them my entire life on thanksgiving i usually wear my matt stafford jersey on thanksgiving every thanksgiving i got my lions jersey on except for the last three years but First of all, the dome, talk about awesome. Uh, I've never watched football in a dome before, and Ford Field was immaculate. It was a perfect temperature. I had my Zubaz and my Josh Allen on, and I was not cold at all. I was not hot. Perfect temperature. The field of view was awesome, except where we sat, we were in row one of, like, the 300s right in front of the stairs. So let me tell you, I was sitting next to you. We had Lions fans on the rows to the right of us, Lions fans to the left of us. We had an aisle seat almost, so there's two people to the left of us and Lions fan behind us. And I talked to them like the whole time, and they were super cool. And then there was this guy across the way, like across the stairways to the left. So anytime anybody would walk up the stairway to their seats, but if they stood in the way, they were blocking our view. So a lot of people do that, and the security guard kind of moves them around. But this guy, right before the Lions <laughs> tied it up, right before the drive, the Lions tied it up. He's in this white suit coat with like Ford Field spray painted on the back. It was kind of cool. But the whole game, he was giving the Bills fan in front of him a really hard time. And I, and finally, he was standing in front of us for like two minutes. And all of the Lions fans around us were like, we can't see. We can't see. We can't see. So I was like, sit down. 
And he looked at me. He's like, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> like, I've been a season ticket holder for 35 years. I do whatever I want here. And I was, and I flipped them off and I was like, nobody can see and nobody wants to see your face. And he was like, you want to go? You want to go? And he starts walking up towards me, towards the stairs. But mind you, not only is my dad next to me, but like all of these Lions fans are there. But this is what was really cool about the other Lions fans. They all stood up and they were going to kick his ass. Like the Lions <laughs> fans were going to kick his ass. And they, they all said to me, they're like, he wasn't coming up here. And it were like, they were like, we're really sorry. He does not represent the Lions football. We are not fans like this. This guy's a jerk. And they eventually at the end of the game, like he was arguing with Lions fans. The Lions fans were proud of him. But everybody except that one dude was awesome. The talk about the game. Uh, I mean, the only negative about Ford Field is the turf. I mean, Von Miller's injury wasn't really turf related. It was just he got kind of rolled up on. But I don't know. What did you think about that? Well, I mean, we're all holding our breath for the MRI today, for sure. Um, it Everyone was tweeting videos of it, and I'm sure you saw some of this. You know, there's doctors tweeting stuff, and they're like, okay, this is this is a knee injury. This is this looks like it could be a possible ACL tear. The initial word is a sprain, and he's getting an MRI today, so we'll, we'll see. But it didn't look good, and I, I can tell you, like, at that point in the game, the Bills weren't in control. You know, it was right before halftime, and... They didn't look like they were, they weren't themselves on offense. So I can tell you, it was looking pretty dark at that moment, sitting in my living room, you know, watching it and keeping track of Twitter. I'm sure it was fun to be there, but the mood was not very great on Twitter at that point. Well, I was kind of looking at it too. I was on Twitter a little bit. I was on my phone a little bit. Um, And I didn't see Von Miller leave. I didn't see him go in the blue tent. I didn't see him carted off until my friend texted me. I saw Dion's injury better than I saw Miller's injury. And Dion's ankle injury looked real painful. I don't know if you saw that one also. I haven't was, seen that clip, but he didn't return for the rest of the game. So I'm, I'm worried no. about that too. It was the same sort of thing getting rolled up on, but instead of up towards his knee, it was down by his ankle and his ankle bent inwards and it didn't look pretty, but his absence was mightily felt. I don't know if you watched how many times Josh had to roll out. I want to say it was almost half of his drop backs. He faced pressure yesterday. Oh, at least. And I mean, I've got the snap counts in front of me. You've got... Greg Van Roten played 100% of the snaps. You know, Ryan Bates was in at center for Mitch Morse. Uh, Questenberry came in for Deion Dawkins. Like you said, he played 58% of the snaps. And, I mean, all this when Spencer Brown's not having a great season so far. And so, yeah, I mean, the fact that they even were able to, A, pull off that drive at the end, and B, just come out with a win after that is is pretty impressive in that you know any quarterback besides josh who doesn't have the mobility i think he would have been screwed that's so true because the 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 real difference between a good quarterback and an elite quarterback was on display yesterday because jared goff didn't play bad but he does not have the mobility josh allen didn't would never get sacked for that safety that Ed oliver had on jared goff yep uh you have to scramble i don't I, Oh, the Lions fans were ripping on Jared Goff. They're like, throw it away, <laughs> throw it into the crowds, turn around and throw it out of the back of the end zone. Do something to big set. And he just like laid there. He just like took two steps and fell onto the ground. <laughs> um, and they were roasting Jared Goff yesterday. Um, but he missed that throw on the third and one to set up the field goal. That was just a terrible throw. He missed a couple other throws downfield, not by much. But by a margin that was like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, we need to do better here. And But he kept him in the game, and he did what a good quarterback does. 
He'll get you 24, 25 points. What do you have? 22 points? 25. He'll, get you what you, yeah. he'll keep you in the game, but he's not going to take you to the playoffs and he's not going to, or he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. He's not going to win you a playoff game. And Josh's legs, I finally said to my dad right before that last drive when they started to run Josh, and I'm like, they don't run Josh until they literally don't have a choice. Yeah. But they don't have a choice right now. So we better hustle. This band better get on his horse and gallop through Ford Field here because. We are every yard of offense looked like it was grinded out. It did not look easy for this offense. And finally to see him get moving and I, and that last run to set up the field goal when he got chopped in his legs on a bounce, that was pretty scary. I don't know if you saw that on. Yeah. On he landed either on his shoulder or you know possibly that right elbow. I couldn't really tell, but he was in pain afterwards. If you, you could see the look on his face on the broadcast and it was not good. So here's hoping that he's okay. I mean, and that hug to Steph Diggs on the sideline, which I'm sure you saw, has been memed a bunch of times. But that just when he just that, drops the f bomb after the hug, that was like what everybody felt like. Yeah, all the Bills fans felt like that. Yeah, yeah, it completely exhausted, completely, you know, like post battle, like okay, we did it. Thank goodness we got out of here with the yeah. win. So you know, here's hoping he gets you know healed up before the Patriots game, which is you know already six days away. Don't get that mini buy until after that. Um, but speaking of guys coming back from injury, I wanted to ask you about Trey white because we saw him on the field early and it was kind of hard to tell with the broadcast sometimes. Cause when they play off coverage and the way the broadcast angle was, sometimes the corners are not, like, not even in the shot at the beginning yeah. of the snap and definitely was not able to see his reps. You know, you weren't able to focus in on him because he was going out of the broadcast angle and it looks like he only played 16 snaps, which is like 23%. Um, did he get in at all late or was he just in at the beginning, you know, kind of taking some reps and getting the hang of being in a game again? From what it looked like, he was only in during that first portion of the game. But like you kind of said, you can't always see on TV, which was cool because he was sta- he stood next to Elam almost the whole time. It looks like they have a nice relationship coming. They were calling cues on the sideline. You can see Trey White, like, you know, when the receivers cross and you have to yell switch as a corner. Yep. Um, Trey was calling those out before the play was coming, which was cool to see that from the sideline. Um, but it was also interesting to see that how much in know in those few snaps that he took, how much of a better cover corner he is than Dane Jackson or Christian Benford, because it looked like they put him one-on-one with whoever he was up against. And then they shifted the zone to the right. Cause you know, they kind of play this jump defense and, Junk defense in basketball is a mix of man-to-man and zone. Um, and it looks like Sean McDermott might have done that a little bit. I'd have to look back at the All-22 later. Um, but it looked like Trey was one-on-one with his guy, and he was on him. Like he stuck to him, and no catches were allowed on his guys. I want to say he was involved in maybe one or two tackles, uh, but nothing crazy. It was just great to see him back because we really need him. Uh, what? Tony Romo said Dane Jackson's a budding superstar, but the dude's gotten lit up occasionally this year. <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, I think Tony Romo might have lost a little bit of credibility with Bills fans after that comment. You know, nothing against Dane Jackson. You know, he's been uh, a decent player and definitely has, has filled a role on this team. Definitely has performed well or a lot better at cornerback two when he's not responsible for your your number one receiver as much. But yesterday was not a not a great day for him. I know he had the touchdown scored on him in coverage, you know, he's a guy who's always in position 
right, but he's never like making a play on the ball. He's not elite like Trey. So it was promising to see Trey back and, you know, even on the field, even if it was in a limited capacity. So I'm hoping that he'll be in a full capacity for the Patriots game because that can only help you. And then with Kyrie Elam getting healthy and, you know, all these other corners that have kind of been banged up in the secondary. But Jordan Poyer made a huge difference yesterday as well. I think he led the Bills in tackles. He did. I want to say an 11 total. Let me see. I got the box score up here. He had 10 total tackles, eight solo tackles by himself. Second was AJ Klein with nine total tackles and six solo tackles. So AJ Klein played well. I think it was, you know, I wasn't expecting much from him after he was inactive last game. Maybe he just needed a week to get up to date on the terminology and another week of practice after coming over. Um, But he's the guy that, that he was last year as a backup when he filled in, he did well enough. I mean, none of the Detroit running backs went off. I think Williams only went for 60 yards, 66 yards. They did just enough. They looked like they produced from the eye test, but it was not easy. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. And Detroit was moving the ball. It was until that last bills drive. It was not the bills who looked like they were easily moving the ball. It was, it was the lions, you know, yeah. they, I don't know if it was the way that they were playing coverage. I mean, how how much did see how much Jared Goff passed for? I mean, he passed for two forty, so not as much as Josh. Um, but it really seemed like some of those routine throws and catches, you know, you know, picking up like slants on third down, like Amon Ross St. Brown obviously had a day. Well, he's a stud, first of all. We gotta give him credit because he you know it. You yeah. have him in oh, fantasy. Yeah. And uh, did you have him last year too? I did. I did. I had him on one squad last year. And so every single ESPN league that I'm in, which is three of them, I have him. So anytime he did anything, like my phone lit up with three notifications, which is really funny. But he's a real popular player in Detroit. The fans love him. But I got to tell you something when we go back to the linebackers, these two guys that I was sitting next to, they didn't want the Lions to win. They were really funny. They're like, this win will do nothing for us. We want the draft pick. We love our team. We love our coach. We need a different quarterback, but we need the higher pick. So he's like, I'm rooting for you guys. We got a good game here. It's down to the end. So we're happy with how the turnout is. So go Bills on the last drive. But he also said there's a couple of plays. They looked right over at me and they're like, Tremaine Edmonds makes that play. Tremaine Edmonds makes that play. Tremaine Edmonds makes that play. And they said Tremaine Edmonds is top five linebacker in the NFL just from their perspective which was interesting to hear when you're not watching him every day, every game day, what other people think of him, because he's really highly regarded around the league. And the Bills have a nice linebacking core with Milano and Edmonds and Klein and well, Braylon Spector and Terrell Bernard. But the Lions have really poor linebacker play, and Edmonds could leave this year, and Detroit would be a good spot for him. I think with the base, the need and everything like that with Dan Campbell, I don't want him to leave, but the Lions fans really like Tremaine Edmonds and they were excited that he was out. Well, it shows you, it shows you how spoiled we are really as, as Bill's fans. Cause he's kind of a polarizing player. Cause you know, last year it was, he's not making enough splash plays. And this year when they get run on, you know, Tremaine is the first person that people like to point fingers at, but it really is interesting hearing the opinion of other of other teams like that, because I think Tremaine Edmonds is that player and he's part of a star studded defense. And, you know, you know, he's, he's definitely like, you know, an upper mid tier player, maybe not elite 
so to say, even though he does have those elite traits and, and makes a lot of plays. But I, I think it's just because he plays alongside a, an absolute star in Matt Milano. You've got Jordan Poyer on the back end. I had Oliver who, you know, let's talk about him for a second because that dude had a day and I cannot believe that they didn't give him a turkey leg. Because, yeah. I mean, not just Tyler to Bass say... An extra point. Sorry, I don't know if you can beep that out on a phone call, but Tyler Bass misses the extra point, and he still gets a turkey leg. When that could have changed the game totally, but Ed Oliver dominated his entire assignment. That safety changed the game for us, especially after the turnover. Uh, it was huge. He played a lights out game. He deserved a turkey leg. He is. He was a game saver for us. Yeah, and they needed him to be with Von Miller going out. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows if they were going to have any sort of pass rush without him in, and especially with Greg Rousseau out and AJ Epinesa as well. So they were down bad at uh, defensive end. How about Josh's interception before at Oliver's sack? I couldn't totally see it, but it looked like it got tipped, and then the linebacker picked it. It did. It did get tipped uh, pretty close to the line of scrimmage. And I think they saw it coming. I, lot, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that was a very predictable play call. You know, it's kind of like well, a play Diggs action. Wide open. Yeah. Diggs was wide open. And why wouldn't you try to force the ball to him at, at that point? But, you know, it was for the first, you know, three quarters of the game, it was extremely concerning that you weren't able to get the ball consistently to Diggs and Davis when Detroit was able to get the ball to their, their receivers, you yeah. know, at times. You know, Detroit not only has you know, what most would say would be probably one of the worst defenses in the NFL, one of the worst secondaries in the NFL and and have gotten probably the most, or at least in the top three of points against. And then on top of that injuries, I think one of their starting corners was out as well. And they were starting. Yeah. Yeah. So after all that, you know, you have this offense that still can't get the ball in it, in the hands of its playmakers, you know, nothing against Isaiah McKenzie, but Isaiah McKenzie led the bills in receiving yards yesterday. That's not usually your typical game plan. You've seen the Bills in the past when they faced last year, the Jets had a bad secondary. You know, obviously it's much improved this year, but they were able to just keep throwing it at Diggs and he just kept victimizing that corner. And and you didn't see that yesterday. So that was definitely concerning going forward. But the times that they did put it to Diggs, I want to say like on the first three and out of the day, Diggs was like a hair late and looking at that comeback route and it bounced off his shoulder pads. And then... The next couple plays, that pass interference call, the ball was behind him. Uh, There's a couple slants that were not good throws. Um, Josh didn't look like he was on target to Diggs. Diggs plays at an elite level, so you got to be on the ball. You got to be quick with your throws. And Josh had a couple. It looked like he kind of double clutched again on a slant and then delivered the ball late and it didn't get to him. But it all made sense when they nailed that last 38 yard catch down the middle which was beautiful because you couldn't lead him anymore or he's going to get lit up by the safety and if that ball's at all behind him it gets intercepted so yeah josh had one more good throw left but talking about his sorry this is a little bit of a, a side rant here um i read somewhere on twitter that josh said he has a harder time throwing sidearm with the way that his elbow is right now yeah oh yeah he's going yeah. over the top a little bit more yep and that throwing motion is a little wonky compared to what he was last year or the year before. You see him do a lot of off platform throws, whether they're not right over the top, like a, you know, like a pitch, a baseball pitcher or, you know, that sidearm throw, like we see Mahomes do a lot, but anything out to the flat, 
you kind of change your arm angle a little bit. And he had a couple of the Dawson knocks that sailed on him in the flats. And Dawson caught one, but I he had to really elevate for it. And then he only got maybe two or three yards on it. But that throwing motion looked like it was right over the top. He didn't look comfortable with it. So it looks like it's still bothering him. And I hope that that's not like totally detrimental to his passing attack because we really need him to make those throws. Yeah, absolutely. And you can only hope that it heals up within the next week, but you could definitely tell it was more evident today than it even was against the Browns um, that, that that it's bothering him and it's, it's making it tougher with those throws. But hey, I mean, it hasn't affected his throwing motion when he's throwing it 38 yards down the middle on a dime. Yeah. He was more accurate with those throws than he was with half of the uh, the other ones. But Well, that's like uh, that's like what you need. Kinetically, you got to step into that and deliver that ball over the top. Whereas if you're aiming to the side, it's a little different. Right. So keep that passing attack. It didn't look like they really attacked downfield too much. And when they did, they had a couple of the digs and they had a couple of the Davis. Davis made a nice third down catch over the middle. But it just, it looks like the offense, I don't know. The route concepts seem interesting to me because there was another one. Josh took a sack and he had McKenzie running free over the middle. But they just, I don't, it's like if you want, they're just, it looks like they're missing one player. They need one more guy because Diggs is so good over the middle and Diggs is so good from the slot or on the sideline. You don't have the over the top threat. You don't have that guy to burn them deep. And that the Lions stayed in their cover two shell. Oh, there's Bills fans leaving right now. Go Bill. Yeah, sorry. My <laughs> hotel's full of Bills fans right now. Um, That's awesome. But they don't. It looked like the Lions stayed in that cover two shell for a while and uh, they were able to get pressure and affect the passing game with that, which really stifled this offense. Yeah, for sure. And for the most part, Bills fans are divided on, you know, is this a Ken Dorsey issue? Is this a we need OBJ issue? And it's probably a little bit of both. Also, you kind of saw McKenzie take on that third wide receiver role. Like first two guys are covered. You know, a defense isn't able to actively account for three playmakers, if that makes sense. You know, you can do two. You can put your top guy in the second wide receiver and bracket the first guy and really focus your coverage that way. But it's those third and fourth receivers. If you got, if you have somebody who can create separation or find the right spot in a zone, that's where that person is really effective. And Gabe Davis was that player last year when Emmanuel Sanders was the second receiver. Yeah. I think that's why we saw him do such a good job. And now that he's had this expanded role where he's getting more attention from defenses, it obviously the production has dropped off quite a bit. So if you if he's not the third wide receiver and you add a, an elite second wide receiver and maybe that's OBJ at this point, I don't know who else it would be, um, then you're going to be in much better shape getting the ball to Davis and even therefore getting the ball to Diggs more because they're going to have to divide their resources a lot more. Whereas Isaiah McKenzie is not a guy that you're terribly worried about on a week to week basis. He was he was open a lot of times yesterday because of. You know, whether it was breakdowns and coverages or, you know, I'd have to watch the all 22 to really get a, a bit better idea for that. But yeah, I, I think yet again, it was evident that the Bills could use OBJ and the Bills have kind of fallen back in the, you know, the rumors for who's going to get them. It's like the Cowboys now are are up front. So I think that another thing to bring into this is how is Von Miller's injury going to affect where OBJ ends up going? Because if Von Miller you know, God forbid tore his ACL and is out for the season. If you're OBJ, are you coming here? Because I think that it hurts the Bills' Super Bowl chances quite a bit if Von Miller 
is not on this team for the rest of the year or can't return for the playoffs or is out for an extended period of time even. So I think it is very detrimental, right? It's super detrimental. We thought we could, we can't win it without him. We tried twice. So <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> and we lost to the same team twice. We got my Miller to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. What do you want? Like he's not there. I I don't like our chances. But even you know Miller did what he needed. He closed the game against the Chiefs. He was a huge difference maker. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I can't imagine how great this team would be when clicking on all cylinders on both sides of the ball and healthy. So if all these things kind of line up at the right time, then I love their chances at that point. But I mean, there's also now the possibility that all this could go wrong. You know, what if, what if Trey white isn't totally in full form for the rest of the season? And you know, some guys from ACL injuries, they can return after a year, but they're not back to their original level until a year and a half, you know, two years even for some guys. And that's a worst case scenario. And I don't want to start thinking about it, but you know, and you, but you think of the flip side of the coin. Okay. Von Miller, it's just a sprain. He'll be back in three weeks. Trey white is going to return to his elite level, all pro kind of thing. Jordan Poyer is going to stay healthy. Um, you know, obviously Micah Hyde isn't, isn't back for the season. He's out for the year. Um, but all these news reports on him coming back for a playoff run though. Really? Okay, so that's new because his agent and him reported that he was out for the season initially. So I would yeah, absolutely that would have been like that would have been a couple of days ago. Uh, somebody asked him that about how his rehab's going, and he's staying pretty loose. But I think if if he could get to February, and you're looking at an AFC Championship game or a Super Bowl, you know, we'll see, right? Oh we'll man, see. I mean, you just gotta hope that the stars align on on these things because you know they do that, they land OBJ, all these things go right. You know, the offense starts clicking. Josh is healthy. The offensive line gets healthy, which is a big question mark right now. Then, I mean, I don't don't know who's going to stop him at that point. But that remains to be seen, and a lot can go wrong. And obviously, we've seen plenty of great teams, you know, riddled with injuries and and lose their chances because of that. But Well, that's the thing is it's so common that this happens so much where you have the team and you have the roster, but guess what? Injuries happen, so... It's a wasted year. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's worst case scenario for us at this point. So keeping the good vibes going, they're eight and three. They're atop of the division until Miami inevitably beats the Texans on Sunday. Um, and Kansas city, I think they've got a soft matchup as well. So they probably won't be at the top of the conference standings for another week at least, but you know, here's hoping, you know, they just got to keep winning games and, and, and get on a run here in December. Like they usually do. But one more thing I wanted to add, and this is the thing that I forgot, is it's interesting when you talk about the Tyler Bass field goal, or I sorry, the missed extra point. Yeah. Because if he makes that extra point, then lines are down four, and then they're playing for the touchdown and not the field goal. So you got to defend him for the ball. Exactly. So you kind of wonder, like, okay, if they score the touchdown there, then you know maybe it's a little bit different. And and again, you know the Bills end up coming back and, and kicking the winning field goal. And it would have been a tying field goal at that point. But most likely if Detroit had to score, there would have been less time back left back on the clock at that point. Absolutely. So, so, Hey, everything happens for a reason. I'm happy they got the W, but, uh, Hey, can I tell you something real quick? Yeah, too? yeah, for sure. That last catch got Steph dig 77 yards. So I don't know if anybody was listening or not, but the Brando's bet was 70 yards and a touchdown for Stefan Diggs. So ka-ching. 
And the Bills on the money line, I believe, too, right? Yep. So that all checked out. I was real happy about that. Nice, nice. Very good. Got a much-needed win. You know, here's hoping we'll have a Brando's bet segment coming up after this. Brandon's going to send me a voice memo if you can, and I'll edit it into the episode so yeah. you guys can have something to bet on for this weekend since you'll be have a lot of games to watch since the Bills aren't on and they got a win. So you'll actually want to watch football. If you're like me, if they lost, I wouldn't be watching football afterwards. But mm-hmm. anyway, Brandon, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for, you know, obviously sitting in your cold car and hopping it's on. It's warm. The phone I got heated seats. Oh, okay. I got heated well, seats, so we're good. All right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's luxurious. Yeah. All right, dude. We'll have a safe trip back to Buffalo and uh, we'll talk to you next week when you get back. Thank you. I'll be heading back today. Probably pop out an article tonight and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thank Watch you, man. some good football games this weekend. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Go Bills. Happy Thanksgiving. Ladies and gentlemen, Brando's bets sitting pretty. I'm thankful for Stefan Diggs. I'm thankful for Josh Allen. And I'm thankful for the Buffalo Bills money line. And I'm thankful that his last catch got him 77 total yards on the day. So we cashed yet again. It's nice to see that. Give you a little extra money for your Black Friday shenanigans that we have going on. But we're not done yet. We still have so much more football to go. And... When you're looking to keep these games spicy, look no further than DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This is my go-to when I'm betting on the NFL this holiday season. Like I said, I can do my parlays. I can do my alternate lines. I can do my player props, whatever is my fancy for that specific game. And right now, new customers, you can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So check it out right now. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and place a same game parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, which player props you want, point totals, and more. When you do that, the more legs that you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Like we said, I added the boost on my same game parlay. I had three legs. It added an extra 20-something percent onto my total winnings, and it, it gave me a nice little boost. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code NABP, which stands for Not Another Buffalo Podcast. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code NABP for Not Another Buffalo Podcast. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show note for details. So as I'm looking at Sunday, I have two games that I really like. We have Mr. Backup. Davis Mills is out. Kyle Allen is in. He's no Josh Allen, that's for certain, because Josh Allen owns the Dolphins. Kyle Allen is going to try to salvage something against this Dolphins team, but I really like Miami to win this game. And I'm going to parlay that with over 21 points for Miami. And then I'm not even done yet. I'm looking at Kansas city and I'm looking at 
how many points Kansas City is going to get. They're going to destroy their opponent. So I got Miami and I got Kansas City on the money lines, and I got both teams over 21 points. Parlay those together, get your boost, take a look at touchdown scores. Tyreek Hill, he is on a record-setting pace. Travis Kelsey is just a touchdown machine. Maybe sprinkle in some of those. Touchdown props, whatever fits your fancy. That's why we love DraftKings Sportsbook. You can customize it any way that you want. Take a look at those games. I love to see the yardage from Tua. I would love to see Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, whatever it could be. Those guys are betting machines this season, so keep rolling that gravy train while we can. Thanks, guys. We're happy to celebrate a Bills win. Take a look around the NFL. Enjoy this football Sunday. Sunday.